Thanks for joining us at the Liberty City Podcast. Liberty City values each person's unique experience with faith, and we hope that this word impacts you today. How's it going, church? Today I want to talk to you about living with His presence, and then I'm going to hand over to Nadia, who's going to talk to you about creating a space for His presence. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 says this, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your presence that you're speaking to us today. And we thank you, Lord, that we are indeed temples of your Holy Spirit. We're grateful for it. Teach us today how we can look after your presence, tenderly care for it, and be people, Father, God, that you can be proud of. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Over the last three weeks, we've talked about the secret place or, or that third place with God. We've talked about the test of the wilderness with Nadia preaching. And then last week, I talked about emerging from his presence or coming out of that place that you create, but coming back into everyday life, so to speak, coming back into society, what we can learn from God's presence, how he can change us, how we become more urgent. Right through the Bible, there's that sense of a theme of God's presence from Enoch and Adam, Noah and Abraham, David, Jesus, the early church, the arrival of the promised Holy Spirit. There's that sense of the caring of God's presence, the Leviticus fire, the tent of meeting, David carrying the Ark of the Covenant that was the presence of God, which has now been transitioned that we are carriers of God's presence. Uh, Jesus teaching on prayer and the secret place and, and all these things that, that this theme of God's presence that's moved throughout the Bible. We talked last week about young people at summer camps emerging from those camps and re-entering into society and having those you had to be there moments and what we can expect from our relationship with others and how we can expect to emerge from time away with God's presence. But I think more importantly today, we really want to talk about what we must learn uh, to live with the presence of God, that, that what we must figure out about how we can be temples of God's presence and living with his presence. Again, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Isn't that crazy to think? He gave us life. He gave us breath. He redeemed us. He sent Jesus. He sent the promised Holy Spirit. But then on top of that, he made us his home. Like, have you thought about that? Like, let's say there was a street, and on that street was homes. On the street were the houses. And there was nice houses and bad houses. And on one end of the street, there were, like, really nice houses. And on the other end, they're like, you know, you want to drive quickly through that neighborhood kind of houses. He picked those kind of houses to house his presence. Why did he do that? The intimacy that he wanted with us. He redeemed us. He pulled us up from the mud and the mire and then made us his home. And so because he's presence himself in us, we have to learn what it is to live with his presence. So we've been a way to get his presence. We've been tested in the wilderness. We've emerged. But now we must, in our day-to-day -day life, learn how to make that a habit and a routine and to live with his presence in our lives. So I'm going to preach for about 20 minutes. Then I'm going to hand over to Nadia. So in the moments that I have with you today, I would love you to write this down. And these, I think, are just some lessons that I've learned over the last couple of decades walking with the Lord. And the first thing is this, is that I, I want to grow 
in my God awareness. To live with his presence, I want to grow in my God awareness. And awareness is a recognition, isn't it? You know, we talk about people that have social awareness, good social awareness, or people that lack social awareness. Essentially, what we're saying is, is they lack the ability to recognize what's happening. They lack the ability to recognize that they're not funny, that they talk too long, that they're too loud, that they always come late and never contribute, that they do this or that, the other thing, that they don't recognize because they're not socially nuanced or aware. We want to be God aware. To be aware is to be awakened to something, to be alive to something. Um, you know, you might wake up in the morning and go to work or jump on a Zoom call and someone's like, text you like, oh, you got something in your nose. And now for the rest of the day, you're aware that you might have something in your nose. And so you're like overly aware. Or like if someone's like, um, <clears throat> um, did you put on deodorant today? And now for the rest of the day, you're carrying like buckets of deodorant, you know, like in your pockets, in your car, you got like cologne everywhere because you're aware, you've become alive to the fact that you once were a bit smelly on a bad day and now you're acutely aware of that thing. We want to be like that when it comes to God's presence in our lives. Genesis 28 verse 16 says, Surely God was in this place, Jacob saying this, and I was not aware of it. We want to avoid that. We want to be the kind of Christians that when we walk into a room or we sense it's, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> that we want to be the kind of Christians that when we walk into a room and sense his presence, that we truly do recognize that he's there. We are aware that he's in the room. Bill Johnson, a great pastor and preacher, recently preached, a few years back, preached a message about Jesus being baptized in the Jordan River. Remember, he was baptized and there was the three, the, the Godhead, the three natures or persons of God were there in that, in that one passage. Jesus being baptized, the Father spoke from heaven, and then the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove and landed on Jesus' shoulder. And then the voice said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. So you got the, the Trinity, so to speak, in one place at one time. Beautiful moment. And then, but the Bible goes on to say, I'll tell you what the Bible doesn't say. The Bible doesn't say that the, the dove ever left Jesus. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say it stayed with Jesus. So I think we can read in the silence, as they say, and, and realize that, you know, it's probably safe to assume that the, the dove didn't stay with Jesus the whole time. It wasn't one of those interesting parrot people, you know what I mean? Like, and if that's you, you're interesting, so that's really cool. It, 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 Jesus wasn't walking around with the dove, but let's for a minute assume that he did. Like, have you ever, have you ever seen a dove? Or like a bird? Surely you have. They're not really like hanging out with people kind of creatures. It's not like a cat. You could probably have a cat with you all the time, and everyone be like, oh, it's just a cat. Or a dog, it's like, yeah, you, this person's got a dog. To have a bird keen to hang out with you would be really counter like, to like animal and human culture because birds are like spooked out. Open the door, there's a bird, it flutters away. And to think that Jesus, and then now to correlate that picture into our relationship with the Holy Spirit, imagine if it was indeed like a bird, you'd have to walk so carefully and so gently to make sure that the bird wouldn't fly away. Now, of course, no one is saying that the Holy Spirit is a bird, or no one is saying that you have to walk around with a bird, or you need to go and buy a bird, or that to have the Holy Spirit in your life is like a bird. This is what I'm saying. If the Holy Spirit in one picture was a dove and landed on Jesus, 
then what if in our lives the Holy Spirit is likened to a bird because the Holy Spirit lands so gently but flies away and rises quickly when there are things that it doesn't like? Have you ever considered that to be aware of God's presence in your life is to be aware of what's happening around you and how God feels about the places that you go, the conversations that you have, the music that you listen to, the thoughts that you have in your head, the decisions that you make, the state of your finances, the things in your life that you do. If he indeed was a dove, would he fly away or would he feel at home in your life? Revelation 3 verse 20 says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with him and he will eat with me. What a, what a dude, what a gentleman. Like, this is really cool because like, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Like, hello, you are God. Like, we make doors out of the wood from the trees that you planted. Like, you created this whole concept of what it is that you're wanting to do with me today, which is to have food and have a relationship. This is crazy to think. Like, imagine if, like, Jovi was playing with Lego, and I come down, and, Jovi, can I hang out? And I, I, like, knock on the Lego door, like, hello. Like, and I know, good, like, like full well that I paid for the Lego. That without her, without me, she wouldn't be here. But still, God is polite. He's a gentleman enough to come down low into our space, and he won't force his way in. Judges 16, verse 20 says, speaking of Samson, when he woke up, he thought, I will do as before, and shake myself free. But he did not realize that the Lord had left him. I want to be so aware of God that I'm aware through conversations and music and decisions and attitudes that when he might leave, because I'm not representing the characteristics that he so inherently loves. God awareness. Number two, to live with God's presence. I want to have God awareness. But number two, I want to learn what he likes, and then I want to try and like those things as well. I want to learn what he likes, and then I want to learn to like those things as well. Growing up, I hated schnitzel, beef schnitzel. Remember when you get crumbed beef schnitzel? Oh, ugh, hated it. Love beef, but like, I don't know, I just had bad experiences. And I hated Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts, growing up, was the worst thing that you could possibly eat for dinner. Like if you come home and you know, oh, there's Brussels sprouts like boiling on the stovetop, you know it's gonna be the worst dinner. And when it was a combination of Brussels sprouts and beef schnitzel, oh my gosh, like I don't feel well, I'm gonna reemerge from my room in three days, you know? Then I got married. Then I realized that Nadia loved both beef schnitzel and Brussels sprouts. So I'm in a dilemma, because I hate them. Bad, bad memories. She loves them. But rather than asking her to sacrifice for what I hated, I decided to sacrifice for what she loved. Now I love them. And it's the same with God. There are some things that God loves. There are some things that he likes. And there are some things that he doesn't. Rather than me asking God to sacrifice, hey, you take the things that you love and you just change it and then you love the things that I love. I sacrifice what I love to fall in love with the things that he loves. Let me give you like a really small example of what I'm, what I'm saying. Just a little list here. From reading the Bible, I know that God loves these things. Humility. Repentance. Obedience. Worship. 
Now, humility, repentance, obedience, and worship are not necessarily things that you were born loving. Like, trust me, 12, 10, 5, and 3 are the age of my kids. None of them love obedience. Well, at least they weren't born that way. None of them wake up and go, oh, I love repentance. Oh, I love saying sorry. No, no, no. This is something that we drill into them. None of them wake up going, oh, I can't wait to worship the Lord today. We all are born wanting to worship ourselves. And nobody is born inherently humble. We're all striving and trying to be the best we can be at the expense of others. But God loves humility, repentance, obedience, worship. Repentance used to take like, taste like Brussels sprouts. Obedience was tough, like overcooked schnitzel. But now they are like honey through years and years of realizing that I must like what he likes. It's about figuring out what those things are and trying day in and day out with his help to fall in love with what he loves. And number three, if you're taking notes before I throw it to Nadia, is this. Keep showing up even when others don't. Keep showing up even when others don't. We must be people that grow in our God awareness, that learn to love what he loves, and we must keep showing up even when others don't. Mary Magdalene in the Bible is a woman that traveled with Jesus. She was full of demons. She had the demons cast out. And as a result of her experience with Jesus, she gave her life to follow him. She had proximity. She was obedient. But she had, in my opinion, what very few others of the early followers of Christ possessed. And that was simply this. She had perseverance. Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. The disciples scattered when the bad news came. Not everybody stayed at the cross and nobody turned up at the tomb. It's like that final scene in Braveheart. What a film. And he's there, he's being tortured, hung, drawn and quartered um, by, by, uh, by the enemy. And he's there and only a, a few of his comrades, only a few of his followers, a few of his friends, hooded and cloaked, turned up for that last moment just to be there for William Wallace. Mary was just like that. The first of the tomb, the first to see that it was empty. We talked about this last week. And the first to tell others. She was the first person in the history of the world, the only person who would be the first to speak of the good news of the risen Lord Jesus. She, my friends, is the first preacher in the Bible. She was there. She persevered. She did not give up. Just eliminate that from your options. When it comes to living with God's presence, just eliminate giving up on God's presence. Keep turning up even when others do not. I like to call them winter miles. In running, you run in all four seasons. And for those in our church that have just started running in the wintertime, I applaud you to no end. I've said this to Nadia half a dozen times. I say, babe, I'm so blown away that you've started running and are consistently running in the wintertime. I think about Jaden, I think about Chris. Chris Spencer ran a half marathon from the time where you see this two weeks earlier in a snowstorm. It took him an additional hour just to get to the starting point because he was stuck behind four plows on the Queensway. It was ridiculous. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't run a half marathon in a snowstorm. But to think of all these people who've started running in the winter, the toughest month, the toughest season of the year to run in, in Ottawa in the middle of January? It's negative 20 outside today, fam. People out there running. But what about in the springtime? Oh, in the summer, beautiful, get that tan. What about in the fall? 
That's why I call them winter miles. They are ugly, they are slow, they are cold. You get no personal bests, no one sees you, but you emerge better once the ice melts. And when it comes to the presence of God, just keep turning up, winter miles. No one sees you in the secret place. No one sees you reading your Bible. No one sees you praying. No one sees you in your car listening to worship. No one sees you investing in the presence of God, winter miles. They are ugly, they are cold, they are lonely. But when you emerge and you start to walk and live a life where the Holy Spirit feels comfortable like that dove on the shoulder of Christ, your life is forever changed. And I'm about to hand over to Nadia, who's gonna to speak to you about creating a space in your home, a life where God's presence can dwell. And then she's gonna throw back to me as I receive an altar call for people who are here today and you wanna know Jesus, maybe even for the first time. So why don't you, with me, give it up for Nadia Mary Church. Awesome. Well, to add to Levi's message, I want to give you all today seven practical tips to create a space for God in your life and in your home. When I think about creating a space for God, I'm thoughtful of the scripture of the Shunammite woman found in 2 Kings 4, 8 to 10. It says this, One day, Elisha went to Shunam, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put in it a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. Something that stands out to me about this scripture is just how practical she was. She wasn't setting up some kind of crazy method for when the man of God would come to her home. She simply provided for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. These are everyday, ordinary things everyday life things. And I think that we can make the mistake sometimes and think that God just wants those every now and then moments with us. Every now and then he might pop by and hang out. I think that we can think that. I think we can think he's too busy, we're too busy. I think we can think he's got things to do, we've got things to do, and he's going to understand that. But it's simply not true. I believe that God wants to do life with us. I believe that he wants to create and be a part of the home that we have. He wants to live with us, not just be an acquaintance, but be our father and be our friend, a real relationship. When I think about living with his presence, like we've heard from Levi today, living with his presence, I think about my family. And I place the person of the Holy Spirit into that family. I'm a visual person, but if you could just bear with me for a moment and just think about that. Think about the fact that the person of the Holy Spirit wants to come and live with you. He wants to come and be a part of your life. And so throughout these tips that I've got for you, just picture that. Picture him actually being a part of your family. I think about my marriage. I think about the effort that I put in with those that I love. And the effort that I go to with my family, I try 
my best. I don't always succeed, but I try my best to go to that same effort with his presence. So here are just seven practical tips. I'll try and go through them quickly. We've already heard such a great message from Levi, and it's fun to be preaching together today. But I want to share just seven practical, very practical tips that I have learned throughout my Christian journey to create a space for God in my home. And the first one is this. When he speaks, don't ignore him. When he speaks, don't ignore him. We have got to stop thinking about the person of the Holy Spirit and stop thinking about God as being something that's really far away. We can get away with ignoring someone when they're speaking to us, but they're far away. You've done it, I've done it, my kids do it all the time. That moment where you call out to them, they might be downstairs and you're saying, hey, it's time for dinner, and they just decide not to listen. You can get away with that for a little while. And I think for us sometimes, we picture our relationship with God a little bit the same. We kind of think that he's really far away, and so uh, we get away with the fact that we don't always listen to him. But the truth is, is that he's not some distant, far away person. He wants to live life with you. The Holy Spirit wants to be a part of your life. He is speaking to you right now. He is always speaking to you. And so we cannot get away with that moment where someone's speaking to you and they're close. You can't get away with that. Do you know what that's called? That's called being rude. It is not okay. That is a dysfunctional relationship when you're ignoring someone who's speaking to you who is close. That's what you do when you're trying to ignore your husband after a really big argument. Not that I've ever had that before. That's what you do when you're at your wit's end with your kids. You just ignore them. And yet, Here's my thought, is that we do that with the Holy Spirit every single day. And we think that it's okay. And we say to ourselves, it's because it's hard to hear his voice. I would like to challenge that and suggest that perhaps it's just because you haven't spent enough time with him that his voice becomes familiar to you. He is not trying to hide his voice from you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to have a conversation with you. Get to know his voice. Don't ignore his voice. Chat with him and he will enjoy being in your home like anyone else. And that's really what I'm trying to get across today is that we've got to treat him as the person of the Holy Spirit who is in your home? How do you treat people who are in your home? And that is the same way that we should be treating the Holy Spirit, like family. The second thought for you today, the second tip is communicate daily. Just because he knows you fully doesn't mean that you know him. Talk to him. Get to know him. Even little things. Honestly, I talk to God about this silliest of things, things that friends and family would not care to hear about, just a constant conversation. He is there for me, listening, and the more that we communicate, the more I get to know who he is, how he feels about me, the the plans that he has for me and my family, 
uh, the vision that he has for our church. The more I get to spend time with him, the more I know him. I communicate with him on a daily basis. Let me encourage you, if church or this, this relationship with God for you has become that thing that you do when you come to church or that thing that you do every now and then when you sit down and you're reading your Bible, can I just say there's so much more to it than that. If you want to create a home, create a space where you live with the presence of God. You've got to communicate. When we sit down and we do marriage seminars, the number one thing is communication, learning how to communicate. And your relationship with God is the most important relationship in your life. Learn to communicate. Talk to him about the little things. No thing is too small and no thing is too big. Listen, if you're standing in your kitchen going, oh man, I just don't have the energy to do these dishes, to cook this dinner, whatever it might be. You can talk to God about that. You might find yourself in a moment where you're wondering, what am I going to do with my life? You can talk to God about that. He is our ever-present helper there in times of need. And so learn to communicate on a daily basis. My third tip is learn to say sorry quickly. Learn to say sorry quickly. This is a value for our family, that it is easy to say sorry. And not just this kind of sorry, because sometimes we get this from our kids, the little sorry, and we're like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, no, no, that's something different. That's, that may be the right word, but it's certainly not the right feeling. But for us, we need to learn to say sorry, a real genuine sorry. Again, these are lessons that I've learned based on family, based on living together and creating a home environment that my family can thrive in. Like we would expect Ryder to apologize when he does something wrong. So God expects the same apology from us. In our family, we're regularly saying sorry to one another because we are humans and we get things wrong. And there's a sense that when you say sorry, when you apologize, peace comes into your home. And it's the same with your relationship with God. Get good at repenting. I know that Levi has been preaching on it these last few weeks, but repentance is a beautiful thing. It brings a sense of peace when you come to God and look at it like a child coming to a parent and just saying, hey, I'm sorry for that messy bedroom. I'm sorry that I didn't do, I'm sorry for that attitude. When they come and there's that genuine sense of being sorry, it's like, cool, no, all good. Hey, we're family. We're in this together. And it's the same with God. Learn to say sorry quickly. The fourth thing, uh, fourth practical thing, is have good manners. Have good manners. Say thank you. Think about it for a moment. The Holy Spirit lives in your home. The Holy Spirit is with you. When Levi brings me a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, I don't just grab it from him and have that sense of entitlement. Like, yeah, you should be making my coffee. Yeah, I deserve that cup of tea. When I get it, what, when we all get something done for us, what do you do? You say, thank you. Remember that God lives in your home. 
the creator of heaven and earth who causes the sun to rise the next day, lives in your home. Do you know what good manners is? Good manners is getting up and saying, thank you, Lord. God, thank you for this home. Thank you for my family. Thank you that I get to have another day on this earth. Thank you for the breath inside my lungs. We must learn to be thankful. My fifth tip is share a meal together. A family that eats together stays together. And really, these are all in a similar vibe of just picturing the person of the Holy Spirit living in your home. And when you think about sharing a meal together, for me and my family, we sit down and we do highs and lows in Buffalo. The high of our day, the low of our day, and the random thing that happened in our day called Buffalo. And we sit there and Joey sits there and she goes, uh, my highlights and lowlights is my Buffalo. And that's hers every single night. It's pretty funny. We love it. But just as we create that sense, that moment where we get to share with one another and talk with one another, so we need to do that with the Holy Spirit. When you are sitting down and having a coffee in the morning, don't just have a coffee. Sit there and have a coffee with the person of the Holy Spirit. When you're sitting down and you're eating some lunch, sure, you could just sit there, eat lunch, scroll Instagram, look at all the different emails that you've got, or you could take a moment to share a meal with the person of the Holy Spirit. And there's just a wonderful connect that you can create in your home if that's something that you start to do on the regular. The sixth thing is face challenges together. He is your rock. For those who are married, he is your third strand. A healthy marriage is one that you face challenges together. A healthy relationship is one where you face challenges together. That you don't just hold and lock it all up on the inside and you try and be the man or woman of the hour trying to deal with your issues alone. The place of maturity that you get to in a marriage is when you recognize that you are not enough that you actually need to open up your life, be vulnerable, and share those challenges with your spouse. And you walk through that together. And it's just like that with God. We must learn to face challenges together. And my seventh tip before I hand back to Levi around just creating a space, creating a home where God can come and live and this one's mainly for the parents, but every person, this is going to be a great thought for you, is let your children witness your faith. Let your children witness your faith. Some of the moments where I have felt God's presence the most is when I sit down and I talk to my kids about the goodness of God, when I share with them about why I pray, when they come into the dining room after I'm standing in there shundurabundaying and walking around praying, interceding for the church, and they come in and say, what are you doing? I don't brush them aside. I take that moment and say, you know what I'm doing? I'm praying because mum believes in prayer. Mum believes in interceding. Mum believes in faith when you've got faith the size of a mustard seed. And when I start sharing that faith journey with my kids, those are the times in my home where I have experienced the presence of God the, the fullest, the, the strongest. 
I sense it there. And I believe that there is blessing that comes because God is all about the generations. When you start doing the shred and you're reading through the first half of the Bible, the number of times that God says, remember me, build a monument to me so that the next generations will remember my goodness. The number of times he says that is overwhelming because it is important to him. Listen, if you're a parent, let your kids see your faith. Don't be your own little Christian in your own little la-la land. You've got to bring them in. Teach them about the things of God. You know, Jesus could have come and just died and that would have been enough, but he didn't. He came and he lived a life so that he could be an example to his children. We must be an example to our children as well. Let them see you reading your Bible. Let them see you taking notes. I put on worship and I stand there and I must look like an idiot. But on comes Jovi, sees my hands raised, singing, worshiping, having my own little worship party. And she joins in. And those are going to be images that she will then build her relationship with God on. It's not just about your home today. It's about building a home for tomorrow as well. Those are my seven tips on creating a space for God in your home. I'll hand back to Levi. Amazing, just brilliant insight. Nadia, thank you so much for sharing. I enjoyed preaching with you, that was great. We're like here, I'm here, and then you're preaching. It's like boom, boom. Next time, two stools here, a little interview thing. How good would that be? We're like, how are you going, you know? How great is it being married to me? <laughs> that would be, you know, one of the greatest things I've learned about being married to Nadia? Ripe avocados are truly God's blessing in your life. Because when you reach over and someone's taken the nub out accidentally, and then it's squishy, but you've been waiting for three or four days to eat it. But then when you grab it and it's like ripe and it's perfect and you smear it on your toast or your sandwich, some chicken and some lettuce, game changer. There's nothing to do with being married. Just a segue. If you're here and you need Jesus, segue your life to Him immediately. Thanks so much, babe. That was amazing. Such brilliant thoughts. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, and we're talking about creating a life where God's presence is, and you're saying, I don't have His presence. I don't, I don't know Him. I'm not walking with Him. Friend, if you're here today and you're, you've walked away from Him, you've never had a relationship with God, or, or maybe you once did, but you've kind of moved on in life, but a friend invited you and you jumped online, you're watching this on YouTube, listening to the podcast, and you realize, man, I need, there's gotta be more to life than this. The, uh, the, the loneliness of being in a pandemic and, and the isolation it, it brings and the anxiety, there's gotta be more. The Bible says in the book of Joel that, that there are multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. And I really believe that in this time, in this age, there are many people, multitudes in the valley of decision. And as Nadia and I have preached today about living with the presence of God, there are people here and you're saying, man, I need to make a decision to follow Jesus. I need to make a decision to get my life right. Friend, if that's you, I wanna give you that chance right now. I wanna I want pray a very simple prayer. And as I pray that prayer, I want you to pray it out loud as well. And there's a button that you can press online in the chat section. And I believe that as you pray that prayer, that you will get your life right with God and through faith, your whole life can be changed and turned around today, immediately in Jesus' name. So if that's you today, 
you do not know Jesus, or you once did, but you've moved away and you want to come back. You're a multitude. You're one of the multitudes in the valley of decision. Make that choice today. Pray this prayer. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I ask you, forgive me of my sin. And I thank you that you do. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. Love you so much. Be blessed and we'll see you next week. We are so glad you joined us today at Liberty City Podcast. Please check us out on social media and find an event to connect with us.